Hey, welcome to the Circle of Salt, the podcast where we use our snark to protect the occult community from itself and others. Circle of Salt is brought to you by Felix Warren, aka Dot Ass, and Rune Emerson, aka Assisted Geekicide. Wow. <laughs> that was actually a pretty good one. Okay, it's time for our first installment, affectionately called Hekas Hekas Este Bullshit. Today's dish of salt is served by both of us and is entitled, We're All Nerds, Shut Up, Sheldon. Basically, today we're going to come out on the very first of our three uh, podcasts on Geekomancy. We have a series we're kind of doing. And the very first dish of salt is all about Geekomancers who look down on other Geekomancers and uh, shut the fuck up. So, Felix, you had something in particular that irritates you about Geekomancy that people don't acknowledge as being Geekomancy. Go. There, there are a lot of kinds of Geekomancy that people don't really acknowledge as Geekomancy while saying, oh my gosh, how can you even do pop culture, paganism, or magic? There's nothing really coming from there. It's just pop culture. Why don't you focus on something serious and more interesting? And... Um, what is one of those serious things that people should be focusing on, Felix? Wow, instead of focusing on some sort of pop culture figure, they should actually work with a real entity that is really having a real mythos that actually happened and is really real. Like Lucifer. <laughs> like Lucifer, you know, who's never actually listed in the Bible and is actually a Roman deity in origin. And the only reason that we actually know the name Lucifer is attributed with hell and fallen angels and all that shit is because of Paradise Lost. Which is a fictional work. Exactly. That's Milton, right? Yes. Yes, I thought so. I hate Blame that Milton. Blame Milton. He's from Canada. Oh, poor Milton. He's probably not. Okay. Anyways. But yeah, okay, so, and like, Lucifer is not the only deity or um, powerful figure that people who practice regular forms of... Um, paganism, and when I say regular, I don't mean to say normative or normal, I mean regular as in consistent and constant. But people who have regular practices um, where they're constantly engaging, Lucifer is only one of many figures that people get into who they treat very seriously, but it was fucking made up. Um, another one that I like to draw attention to is Robert Graves' White Goddess. Uh, to all of you Wiccans out there, I am not going to tell you that what you are doing is illegitimate because I don't think it is. I'm going to tell you that a great deal of the mystical and uh, metaphysical practices that you do regarding your mythologies are actually fabricated by a poet, a relatively com contemporary poet at that. And um, several of the people who created uh, the, the uh, anthropological movements uh, talking about the great mother goddess cult all over Europe, that stuff didn't actually happen. It isn't the way that people said, and uh, Margaret Murray has been disproved. So she's been debunked. Um, that doesn't mean that the thing that you're working with isn't real. It just means that it didn't happen the way that people said it did. People believe in the Bible, too, and all the stuff in the Bible is completely taken out of context. Those of you who have not done the research, uh, it's an interesting read, let me tell you. But uh, that's irrelevant to me. 
the thing that really bugs me, the thing that just makes me want to, like, chew on people's faces is when they get down on other geekomancers who are actually legitimately and honestly practicing geekomancy or fabricating some other form of practice because they felt that there was a necessary need for it in their, in their work. And then other people are like, well, that's not real, or that's not serious, or that shouldn't be done that way, or whatever, and they get all bent out of shape. Dude! Your sense of orthodoxy does not control the universe. It can only, and should only, influence your own practice. If your teacher taught you a thing, and this is the way it's been done for thousands of years, which, by the way, bullshit, um, I'm calling bullshit now, um, but if they keep telling you this is what we've been doing for generations, even if that was true, which I doubt, uh, that doesn't mean that it's the only or the best way to do it. It just means that that's the way that they want you to do it. And if it's the way that works for you, do it. But if it is not the way that works for you, you should feel willing and ready to adapt and change and learn a new way. Use it for as long as you can if it's important to you. But if you have to replace it with something, go for it. And meanwhile, if you do that or not, don't make fun of other practitioners for stuff that they're doing that works. Dude, I will tell you, if someone came along and told me that by swinging around a music-playing wand from Sugar Sugar Rune, the anime, would allow them to levitate objects, and they were able to demonstrate this in front of me, I would be, I'd be like, where's, the, I want one. Where, where the fuck do I buy that? Yeah, I'd hit eBay. Seriously, I'd be all over. I'd be like, I will sell a child and raise enough money to go to Japan and find one if it's necessary. See, but Rune, that's not your child. Well, you know, finders keepers. Okay. But anyways, seriously, it's so important, you guys. Magic does actually work. It does work. And anytime you find something that works, that's a treasure. Keep it. Learn from it. Treasure it. Value it. And don't shit on someone else's altar. It's just not cool. Um, if someone that you meet is very convinced that their magical practice stems from the fact that they are secretly Kaguya Hime from Japanese myth, the princess of the moon, or any of the modern derivatives if they actually believe that they're Sailor Moon. I have met someone who practices as if she is and her magic works. If someone believes that, it's irrelevant um, whether or not it is true. You don't have to care about that because you're not the one practicing it. Just ignore it, and if they think that they're like super awesome and amazing and they keep trying to get you to drink the Kool-Aid, that's when you have the conversation with them. If they aren't interested in convincing you, leave them alone. Sorry, I'm talking a lot. Go. No, that's fine. I like am totally in agreement with that. Um, I have really had some trouble with people kind of judging me for working with what is derived from pop culture or influenced from pop culture. And it's really annoying that it's assumed that pop culture cannot teach us about magic. That because it is in pop culture, that whatever is in it is less useful than something you'd read in an occult book that was written for the purpose of teaching magic. Seriously. Never mind that a lot of times, if you've got an author who really can't openly be an occult author, like there's only so many people who are able to openly publish occult books, a lot of people are kind of limited to fiction in terms of being able to pass on what it is that they know. Right. And so, I mean, it's... 
patently obvious when somebody is putting their magical practice into pop culture, and it's very annoying to attempt to explain this to somebody, yes. and then they just immediately brush it off because they're like, well, that's in an anime, though. It's in a, Or, like, actually, I've seen this in sort of a casual racism way, because the anime that I have the most experience with when this comes to things is um, Slayers. Slayers has actual application of goetic demonology in it. Right, and, and Kabbalistic Seals, the Sigil and Day of Meth, I've seen all that stuff. Yeah, and I mean, like, it's, it's empirically provable because you can see the glyphs there. You can see, like, they actually match up to um, stuff that's in text. And also right. the way that they uh, they actually, um, like, say, Bune's sigil is used for a character named um, Chaos Dragon Gov. Chaos Dragon Gov has three heads, just like Bune. He right. is, um, he reincarnates over and over again, and Bune is a gravekeeper and keeper of souls. Um, so there it literally are a lot is, of correlations. Yeah, it's, a, it's, it's literally directly related to his actual myths. And whether or not they deliberately intended that as part of their, like, reference, or whether it kind of snuck in there, doesn't that sort of imply that the stuff that they're talking about might have some legitimacy in it? Not only that, but the way that people gave me criticisms, it sounded like they believed it was less likely that the creator was an occultist because he was Japanese. That is so much bullshit! Oh my god! And I mean, Sorry. there are people in the audience who probably don't know this, but starting in a certain era in recent Japanese history, uh, you'll definitely see it a lot in the 90s, mm -hmm. um, but you'll also see earlier in the 80s as well. It kind of syncs up with when it happened in the Western world. There was a lot of Western occultism being studied in Japan, um, and you will see a lot of evidence in it in pop culture specifically, because a lot of pop culture creators in Japan were occultists. And very invested in their occult practice. Because that's another thing. Like, in the 80s, like, the 80s and the 90s is when books from, from the West were finally really readily available. Um, I actually read an account by uh, Robin Wood. She designed the tarot, Robin Wood Tarot. Right. She wrote in her book about designing her tarot that she designed most of her deck while in Japan. She painted a bunch of the cards. And she actually ended up having to kind of, like, paint every single card on a blank tarot card because it was so hard for them to get a hold of occult materials in Japan. There was, like, a, a weird kind of, like, proscription on it. But the interesting thing is Llewellyn had the ability to publish there. And so a lot of stuff was there, and it was very avidly picked up in Japan because they were actually translating these books into Japanese so that people could read about Western occultism. It was a big deal, especially in the 80s and 90s. So you guys, like, all forms of pop culture and pop culture magic and um, all that kind of stuff, which, by the way, I'm just going to go, like, flat out and say, I prefer the term geekomancy. Thank you so much. Um, and I'll get more into that next time we talk or maybe more through this. But anyways... Um, Geekomancy is responsible for most of the magical traditions out there. When you look at things like ceremonial magic, you're dealing with somebody who wrote fan fiction about Kabbalah. Because literally there's nothing written about the Kabbalah that goes anywhere near actual mystical Kabbalistic practice. Like, all of that stuff was people who thought it was cool and then decided to adopt it as their own stuff and wrote their own stuff about it. Especially the Christian Kabbalah practices. Especially the Kelly Pod. 
anything involving demons and the tree of life in any way is basically a western occultism invention it is when you look at people who practice with things like fairy tales as part of their magic that's fan faction that's pop culture magic entering into a magical practice when you look at um Oh, there was that book that was written not too long ago, The Book of Oberon, which, by the way, right. has little to do with Oberon, but is called The Book of Oberon because <laughs> the magical practices in it were derived from the same kind of time period and had some associations with English myth. Like, for real, guys, Oberon is a Shakespearean figure. He is not a part of any legitimate mythology. He was created for a play. And that doesn't make the magic invalid. Merlin Ambrosius is a part of several mythological stories, absolutely, but also a bunch of essentially fan fiction written about that. Uh, Le Mort d'Arthur, that was a fan fiction. That was a derived work. And a lot of people base Arthurian myth and Arthurian mysticism on that book, which was a fan fiction written about some of the older myths. And some of the stuff that's in the practices of Arthurian uh, legend and the mythological and mystical structures that are created around it are actually descendants from Charlemagne's worship. Or Char Charlemagne's stories, not worship, sorry. But anyways, like, magic still works! If you can see a reason for it to be true, it probably is in some fashion! Uh, it's... Uh, ah! Okay. <laughs> And I'm totally cool with you thinking that anything is real. You can be like, Pokemon are real, Digimon is not. Whatever. Feel however you feel. Whatever. Do what you do. But don't get down on other Geekomancers. In fact, how about you don't police other people's magical traditions? At all. That would be great. It's not your job. You're not in charge. And neither is your deity. So, stop. Holy crap. Okay, I'm done. <laughs> Yeah, I'm right there with you. So, um, why don't we use this as kind of a lead-in, because this is actually, I'm going to add a pinch of salt at the end. Okay, that's fine. Occasionally, not occasionally, often I'll see people say, you know, um, hey, I'm, I want to kind of start up a pop culture magic practice, where do I start? And, and my salt there is that, it's like, well... Do you just like the idea of pop culture magic? Because right. usually someone starts this. Usually they've started it already. Yes. Like I, I started doing this before I even knew there was like pop culture magic was a term or that geekomancy was a term or whatever. I was just like, hey, you know, I watch a lot of Sailor Moon and I need a wand. And guess what? My moon wand works. I'm just going to keep using it. Right. I got cloud cards and I was like, uh, I was raised on actual cultism. Uh, I don't know if these will work. Well, the first tarot deck I ever read with was the Lord of the Rings tarot, and it not only worked, it hexed the fuck out of people I read cards for if it didn't like them, so clearly there's magic there. I guess we'll find out what happens. And lo and behold, it was awesome, and I actually wrote an entire book about cloud magic. Well, a booklet. I mean, it wasn't that long. It's like 53 pages. Right. So why don't we segue into the next section? Which yes. Which is going to talk about how to go about this stuff. Agreed. Um, so what we're going to try to do and cover through these three podcasts is the subject of geekomancy as a legitimate magical practice, which requires us to talk a little bit about what makes a legitimate magical practice. And I'm just going to go out 
and start up first by saying a legitimate magical practice is a magical practice that gets results the way it says it will. Um, that's what makes it legitimate results, functionality. The thing is, there are layers to what kinds of results people want, and um, some of them aren't actually really about the practice of mystical, like, of magic. Like, uh, so you kind of have to kind of start by defining the idea of what is magic. And I'm going to be the first person to say it's not psychology, so stop calling it that. I'm just going to just go out and say, stop that. Those of you who do magic as a psychological model to police your minds and help you clean yourselves up and all that kind of stuff, if that's all you're doing, if the only reason you practice magic is to make yourself feel better and think better, I'm not saying that the things that you're doing aren't magic, I'm saying that the thing that you believe in isn't a tradition of magic. Because magic creates change and not just in your head. And by the way, just to be clear, if it manages to make changes in your depression or you're having some sort of neurological disorder or something to that effect that is really bugging your life and messing you up, that's not small. That's not a small thing. If you've managed to come up with a spell or a process that actually helps manage and moderate your, your humors, your chemicals, your balance, that is a powerful thing. And I know a lot of people like to trivialize mental, mental illness or just neurodivergence, um, but don't. That's not something we support here on this podcast, and that's a kind of really stupid attitude to have, especially nowadays. Um, magic that helps balance that stuff is real and is worth a, a second look and investigation. But magic that is just about you psyching yourself into trying the secret or whatever, that's not magic. That's just <laughs> you practicing some sort of entitlement philosophy. The um, secret. Oh my god. I so watched... what do we call this section? Oh right, sorry, I should probably introduce that. Uh, see, I'm getting really bad at that. Uh, this section is our discourse section, and we refer to it as Echo Chamber Azarak. There, now the process is complete, and I feel that the, the, the crossroads are open, and the gateway has opened. Echo Chamber Azarak, Echo Chamber Zomalak, show up powers, oh my god. <laughs> so is that in fact a pop culture reference? What? The echo chamber thingy? Yeah. Yes. See, there we are. Yeah. And it works. It does. It's it's magic. So fully functional uh practice. I kind of wanted to talk about how people start with pop culture magic. Yes. Um, and, you know, magic is real. Get over it. Yeah. Um, after so this, you can, you can listen to the pop podcast that's all about being skeptic. Um, <laughs> but if you've already got a magical practice, I usually suggest that people, like, take whatever is in their magical practice and see where pop culture fits in if they're just starting out. I agree, and I also say if you don't have a magical practice and you're trying to start by doing pop culture magic or geekomancy, which is my preferred term, which I will say again, if you're trying to start out as a geekomancer, um, you have to go through the exact same steps that every other magician has to go through. Step one, figure out what's real and what's not. Step one can take a whole bunch of time. Tinker with things, experiment with things, go grab a book and try it out. Guess what? Most of the books that you find on the occult are actually pop culture magic. They're actually geekomancy. They're actually derived from some idea that some dumbass had, some dumbass the same as you and me, 
And he tried it out, or she tried it out, uh, and they wrote something about it. And now, ta-da, they have an entire practice centered around them. Believe me, as someone who started a magical tradition, that's exactly how it happens. Yeah, I mean, anybody who's written a magical book in the last 10 years has, there's a good chance they were influenced by Harry Potter. Yes, or, um, or Charmed, or uh, Buffy, or, let me think here, what are some other places that people tend to, uh, Supernatural, especially recently, oh my god. Oh yeah, Supernatural influenced a lot. Actually, um, Sailor Moon influenced a lot for people. A lot of anime did. Especially people's foundation of like how astrological and planetary associations um, are formed. They like Sailor Moon pretty much teaches that straight up because Sailor Moon's creator was an astrologer. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I actually, enough, she's enough of an astrologer that there are other astrologers I know who have actually been really pissed off about Sailor Moon. Because uh, one thing that you may notice, all of you who are listening, if you guys are new to the community or if you've been veterans, all of you will probably notice pretty right away that experts in the same field rarely agree with each other about anything. They like, need to slap a fight. Anything. They have to, and this is one way that they can kind of hash it out and fight with each other and like nail down what they think is right and true and, and awesome um, in order to make themselves feel better. Uh, and by the way, I am no stranger to that. So this is not just a they and everybody else thing. This is a me thing too. But magicians uh, often quibble over little details because we're nerds. We're nerds. It's and true. Nerds are pedantic and that's Maybe. how it works. Maybe the real magic was the geekomancy that we had all along. Exactly. Um, but pedantry is actually a part of being a magician. It's just what kind of part are you dealing with? Because like every different kind of magician is different. They all have different ways of doing it. And even individuals within the same kind of practice are all going to be different. That doesn't change that there are major commonalities of practice. Um, and it doesn't change the fact that magic itself is something that you need to start learning how to work with. Here's the first step, and I'm going to give you my, my personal first step for any magician trying to learn magic. Stop calling it science. That's my first step. Stop calling it science and be a scientist anyway. The science um, of magic. And it does have a science to it, but in the old school, the concept of science equals learning, knowledge. The, the term literally means the knowing, the learning. So, in magic, science's place is helping you experiment and try to figure out what is real and what isn't. But science is the practice, like the modern practice, is all about dragging things out of the darkness into the light, pinning them down, tying a name to them, and then sometimes it's tag and release. Sometimes it's pin it and put it behind glass. But it's always about naming it and taming it, which is incidentally uh, a practice better uh, seen in sorcery than yep. in any other form of magic. Like sorcerers do that all the time. Um, but name it and tame it is a big thing in science. Where magic exists is in the place where things are not really stable, where they're not really nailed down, where the rules are not really solid. They're mysteries. They are. They're mysteries. Literally, the concept is anything in magic lives in the shadows. It lives in the dark, maybe even. And you have to step into the between place between the world that's all nailed down in the light and then the world of the dark where everything is kind of hidden and there be, there, there be dragons. Um, 
you get close enough to a mystery to learn about it, and that means you get close enough for it to bite you. And that's how you learn about it. Most people are too afraid to try that. Um, you and when know? I, when I say most people, I, I literally mean most people. If you're, if you're even listening to this podcast, trying to get prepared to start this, you're already ahead of the, of the curve on that one. You know, that's actually why Harry Potter's magic annoyed me. Is it? For the most part, a lot of it is really point and click. Like, I know you have to go through, like, certain motions and stuff or certain preparations and all, but they kind of treat magic as, like, something that just, like, certain people are able to do magic, and so when they say the words, it works. You know, that was actually part of the reason why I formulated my line of, uh, of the wristing tradition, which is the tradition that I follow. Um, my line is called the Cabal of Nocturne, and it originated as a role-playing setting. Like, it originated as part of a role-playing system. Uh, and a, a game. I was in charge of the Slytherin group, and I'm putting quotation marks around this, um, because we weren't allowed to call it Slytherin, and I had to come up with another name. But Harry Potter always pissed me off, because well, for one, witches are something different from wizards. Oh my god, witch is not the word for a female wizard. I swear I'm going to reach through and just grab Joe by the throat and be like, learn! Learn! <laughs> Don't write about occultism if you don't know anything about it. Oh, my God. Also, thank you for your books. Oh, my God, you're amazing. Um, but that part really bugged me. The fact that everything was so easy and, like, scientific and all this kind of crap. And one of the things that a lot of us will say is wizards are essentially, like, the science nerds of magic. You know, alchemists, magical theorists, people who put together structures and systems and try to hack the planet, basically. Um, and that always bothered me. So my role-playing group was designed around the old magics and in harry potter those are like the metamorph magi who change their hair color and shit and they don't even really have any control over it at first and then you have the animagus people who had the capacity to turn themselves into animals you had the seers and they could see things and you had people who were gifted at legilimency and they could read people's minds and it was a weird old magic and there was no real power to control it you just kind of tapped into it like, all of my players were people who did that stuff. Like, all of us practiced wandless magic. We broke the rules because we knew the older magics. We all broke all of Joe Rowling's rules because, you know, we couldn't even name it after her stuff. She's got copyright issues all around that. But um, she's really concerned with that, by the way. I don't know if any of you noticed, but there's no Harry Potter role-playing system. Anyway, um, not an official one, anyway. Um, so... We did old magic that didn't have as many sensible rules around it, and we focused on the mysteries of magic, and that caused a mystical event. I think I've talked about this somewhere before. Did I talk about this on another podcast, like maybe with Taylor yeah, you did. or something? Okay. Anyway, it caused a mystical event, which caused me to look into the stuff I was doing, because everybody who was putting this role-playing system together we're all closet occultists, and so we were all used to weird stuff happening, but not through our games. And uh, I don't think they were prepared for this. And so they thought I had, like, summoned a demon or something. As you do. As one does, yes. So I actually looked into it and uh, kind of came to understand that what I was tapping into was the same thing that I'd been tapping into as a witch my whole life, which is the, you know, the power behind witchcraft. It's one of many ways to look at it, but the old trads refer to it as like the old fire and night magic, you know, like the, the, the god of the night, the goddess of the night, the devil, whatever you want to call it. There are all sorts of old trad crafty names for it. 
and trad people, tradcraft people love to talk about this kind of stuff and then show you a picture of a snake coming out of a vagina. Well, that's not all they do. <laughs> no, that's not all they do. <laughs> I was actually going to say that in Tradcraft, you get a lot of people talking more about what we consider pop culture magic or geekomancy because they care less about usually like what exactly this figure came from and more about what it's tapping into behind it. You know, I find that that is f true in certain circles, but it is not true in all of them. There are a lot of Tradcrafters out there who are very... Um, traditional and very hidebound, and even though a lot of their practices are, in fact, geeky and designed around what is essentially that era's fanfic, um, they get to be some of the most snotty people about how their stuff is pre-Wiccan and that makes it real. Oh, so basically, we've already banished these people with our salt. Yeah, exactly. So not so much. But the, uh, but the, anyway. the, the, the good ones are already, they're still here, they're listening, and they're like, yay, we're being talked about in a good way, maybe. Exactly. And they are welcome. Um, because, seriously, some of my favorite uh, experiences with witchcraft have been at the hands of, of tri-crafters. Um, but anyway, uh, if you're going to start learning magic, stop um, trying to make sense of everything, because it doesn't all make sense. Instead, experience it. Don't try to control it or organize it or make rules about it or think about it before even before you're doing it. Do all of your prep beforehand and then go in and experience it. If you need to put on a wetsuit before you dive in, fine. But prepare beforehand and then let yourself experience the mystery. Let yourself be changed by it. And when you come out of that, you will have learned something valuable. That so, is the first thing for all forms of magic. I'd like to point out something about that. And it kind of bridges into our Harry Potter discussion that we went into. Mm -hmm. Um... A lot of times people ask, like, what pop culture do I start with? And, of course, the answer tends to be, like, you know, well, which one are you, like, you know, most familiar with that is actually calling you in to do magic? But I would say that if you're looking at starting a pop culture practice, the pop culture system or the pop culture, you know, item, piece of story, whatever that you want to work with, it probably needs to be something that actually has a way of tapping into this kind of mystery as opposed right. to being more point and click because the, the point and click stuff can sometimes work but it can be disappointing for instance like you know if you try to do spells from slayers good luck casting fireball right uh you can chant as often as you like you know power darkness beyond twilight crimson beyond blood that flows and shabernigdo might even show up yeah, and see, you can but, actually, there's parts of the Slayer's magic where you can do a lot, and I ended right. up doing quite a lot, and ended up summoning the actual demons from it. Sure, but, but you're not going to get the same effect that you got in the cartoon, because that was the fictional part. Yeah. You know, and that's the thing. Learning how to see the, the meat behind something requires you to learn how to experience it and sense it, and that means exposing yourself to it in such a way that through that exposure, you, uh, you encounter truth and you learn to recognize it. Um, I always tell people to start with the Witch's Pyramid, a.k.a. The, the Riddle of the Sphinx, a.k.a. The Powers of the Magus. It's got like four different names. Actually, I think those, that might have been all of them. But um, it's in like a bunch of occult books. And the first tenet is to know. Well, you can't know anything unless you experience it in magic. So, you, so literally the first instruction is go experience stuff. Try stuff out. Experience it. Um, as a kid, I read, do you, are you familiar with Melanie Ron? I am not. She wrote the um, the ruins of Ambry, 
She also wrote a really cool modern occult fiction series, uh, starting with the book Spellbinder, and you all should read it, it's fun. Um, but she wrote a series, The Ruins of Ambri was the first book that I uh, picked up of hers. She also wrote, I'm pretty sure she wrote, pretty sure she wrote the Sunrunner series, but um, let me check on that. Uh, yeah, I think that's true. But anyways, um, so she wrote several books, and they have a lot of occult theory in them that can be used for magical practice. But of course, they are fantasticized. They're made into fantasy so that they can make it more fun when you're reading it. Mercedes Lackey was fond of doing that too. She knew a whole bunch of pagans, you know, and so she, like, um, I don't know if you guys are aware that she had a music studio, but um, Firebird Arts and Music actually created a whole bunch of music that they played at Ren fairs and pagan festivals and all this kind of stuff because those were her friends. Um, but anyway, uh, so if you're getting started, I recommend The Witch's Pyramid because it's a really good philosophical way of getting started about thinking of the world as having meaning behind the curtain. When you stop looking at, oh, that crystal is, is valuable because it, you know, is rare and it's costly. You know, you go, oh, hey, that, uh, that amethyst ring that grandma wears is actually kind of cheap, gaudy jewelry because that amethyst is really poor quality and, you know, the silver is cheap and all this kind of stuff. But when you start looking through it to see the substance that's in it already, that's already there, the, the magic, the virtue that's inside of that amethyst that she's been wearing since, like, 1910, you start recognizing that there is greater magic to be found in this world as long as you are willing to close your eyes and stop trying to name and tame everything and drag it into the light. So, I actually do want to name and tame something and drag it into the light. Of course you do. Yeah. Could you tell <laughs> everyone the complete witch's pyramid? Oh yeah, it's um, pretty simple. It's in Latin, and then it's in English. Um, the Latin is... I'll, I'll do the Latin and the English for each term. So... Noscere is the Latin for to know. That's the first tenet. The second and third tenet sometimes get flipped depending on which book you're reading, but I'm going to tell you the one that I learned, so that's going to be how I teach it to people. Uh, the second tenet is vele, to will. Third tenet is audere, to dare. And the fourth tenet is tacere, to be silent, or to keep silent, depending on how you want to translate. But it literally means focus on what is real, what is true, what validates itself, because anything that is not valid and real, you're going to have to validate yourself. You're going to have to put power into to make it real. Um, and don't lie to yourself, because that's a mistake. Uh, then it also says to will, which is commit to your own will. Like this is an incredibly important thing for most magicians to learn. Your will be done do as you will. Like, it's said over and over again in, like, I don't know how many magical traditions. Crowley liked to say it in his books. Do what thou wilt be the whole of the law. Love is the law. Love under will. The idea of will. Do your will. Um, Wicca says, and at harm none, do as you will, because they're kind of, you know, hall monitors about whether or not magic should be used to hurt anyone. Um, and so on and so forth. Uh, every form of modern mystical thought and most forms of medieval and Renaissance mystical thought had an element of do thy will because that's the whole reason we're doing this crap. And it's literally like 
do you, stand up for you, do the thing that is right to you, and that's going to have to be good enough for the rest of the world because no one else is going to watch your back for you. No one else is going to choose your will over everything else except for you. And something needs to choose that for this to work. And then you have to dare, and that's literally be brave enough to venture into the dark and experience these things and don't let anyone or anything stop you. Don't let your mother guilt tripping you. Don't let your kids crying and screaming about how their mom is weird. Um, don't let things stop you. Don't let things frighten you into giving up because if you do that, then you lose. Like the magic cannot come to those who are not open and willing and ready. So be brave enough to experience it. And then be silent, because every time you try to explain this stuff, the more you explain, the less it makes sense to anyone. So don't. By the way, for those of you who are geekomancers out there, uh, don't bother explaining when your geekomancy works. Just show it off. That's a good one, yeah. Now just do it. Like, I practice magic from My Little Pony. I have put together even a complete structure and system out of it because I'm a long-term, long-practiced occultist who is a nerd and loves to do this kind of thing. But even, like, even magical practices that I don't have a big old system put together with when I first start practicing with them, they still work. So when someone tells me, oh, well, that can't work because that's not real. My Little Pony isn't real. Princess Celestia is not in charge of reality. I look over at them and I invoke the sun and cast, you know, a Princess Celestia-based spell and watch their jaw fall on the ground. And it's my favorite thing to do. I love to mess with people who have deliberately gone out of their way to trivialize the stuff that ate their face five seconds later. So, well, you know. <laughs> so anyway, um, what about you? What would you say would be a good way to start practicing magic? Geekomancy or otherwise. Well, earlier I said that, you know, fireball's probably not going to work. But what if you do it anyway? Um, basically meaning that the whole finding out if something works or not is to try it. Yeah. Um, and so what does happen when you cast fireball or dragon slave or um, any of the spells from slayers? Like, pay attention to your surroundings. Pay attention to um, what might react if your pets react weird. Pay attention to uh, the feelings that you get. Does it get slightly warmer? Did you manage to, like, slightly modify the temperature with fireball? Or does it, you know, make your candles light up in a different way i mean there are a number of things that actually could affect it's just probably probably not going to launch a giant ball of fire across the room although if that happens video it seriously put it on youtube i will be super impressed with you and we will call you to be on our next show yes just get right over here seriously um but basically one just try out things but two i liked to pick like one thing from a pop culture that I felt would work and then just go with it. For instance, I talked about the Sailor Moon Wand earlier. Right. Um, I don't have a system built up around my Moon Wand. Um, it simply works, and I know enough solid principles behind how it works and how it ties into the Sailor Moon universe that it, it makes enough sense to me. But, but simply, like, the crystal that is on the Sailor Moon Wand, if no, none of you have seen Sailor Moon or no too much about this the um the silver crystal it basically 
um, can do immense amount of purification, and it can actually change reality in exchange for someone's life, specifically the wielder's life. Um, yeah, I know, I know, I know. Um, don't, you, don't don't click that button. Don't use that part. But actually, we kind of give up our lives each time we do an act of great change. That's true. You give up your present to gain your future. Yes, and so that is a principle via which you can use the silver crystal for um, more like macro type magic without like literally dying. Because um, seriously, like if all you possess is a magic wand of the mystical silver crystal of I'm gonna wreck it, I don't know if that's necessarily the best weapon to be using right now. <laughs> and the best thing is just giving it to like you know a Japanese teenager who can't even like pass her exams, whose name is literally Bunny. <laughs> moon rabbit moon rabbit that's like, like naming your kid moon unit right well that well literally it's like naming your kid after like the mythological thing and then not realizing that she was gonna be kaguya hime are you serious right now she never does realize it's so cute but yeah <sighs> so um but i was going to get to an additional thing with that moon wand thing and sure. let's see if it's liberated itself from my head or if i can uh catch it again um one thing that was important with that is that I actually had a lot of attachment to Silvermoon at the time, and still do. Um, and I've lost it. It's never coming back again. Well, it might come back later. Um, yeah. So I'll bring up something that you mentioned that was interesting to me. Uh, so Legend of Zelda is one of my favorite video game franchises. Um, but I don't rarely do a whole lot of magic from there because it's a very immersive system if you try to get into it. Um, I don't know how many of you are familiar with The Legend of Zelda and Hyrule and Link and all that kind of stuff, but it was literally designed to be an immersion system. Um, Link is named Link because he's the link between our world and the world of Hyrule. That's actually canon. That's actually part of the storyline. Uh, like the designer actually designed it that way. Um, Hyrule is meant to kind of be a depiction of their version of mythological feudal Japan. The symbol of the Triforce is actually the Japanese imperial crest, which is also the crest of the Hyrule king and his, his descendants. So that's funny. Um, but the treasures that are collected in Link to the Past are the imperial treasures of Japan, um, the mirror, the 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 beads, which are actually like charms, the penance of virtue, and all, and so on and so forth. It's all this kind of stuff. He gathered mythology and just wove it into this. There's bunches and bunches of Shinto. There's even Christianity woven in there. It's really interesting, and unfortunately, it's too deep for me because, like Shinto itself, or Taoism, or any of those practices, they're so close to being the way that I practice my magic, but just not quite. I think that it's because I, I interacted with Northern European runes and the, um, the cosmological structure of the Norse and Germanic cultures before I met this, and so I'm not really comfortable with their elemental system. I'm not really comfortable with their spirit system. I've got my own way of looking at it that's based on all that stuff. But anyway, uh, my point is, they have tools and magical objects that Link gets a hold of that allow him to use his magic and do things. They're little weapons and, and doodads and stuff. And 
I found that, much like Link, who doesn't know everything about his cosmology, I can practice some of their magic by making one of those objects. I have a, a wand that is designed around the Rod of Seasons from the Oracle of Seasons game. And it works. It moves the weather, mostly, which is hilarious to me. <laughs> um, when worn in conjunction with an invocation to a deity who has power over the weather, it tends to make my uh, it tends to make like the wind and stuff into my personal effects, my my personal like uh, special effects kit um, and a fashion accessory, uh, which is hilarious until I get really angry and then bad things happen and I have to learn to have some restraint, um, <laughs> which is harder than it sounds. Uh, but anyways, um, I don't have a whole lot of initiation into this deeper mystery practice. I know a guy uh, in, I think he lives in Michigan. Um, I think that's where he is right now, or maybe Illinois, I can't remember. But he might be listening. Uh, he designed an entire magical system around Legend of Zelda and um, has not finished writing it, and I'm super mad at him about it. But uh, it was brilliant, and he inspired me to kind of do this. So... I did, but I couldn't go into it as far as he did. And so maybe one day I'll actually start writing more about Hylian Sorcery. But for now, I'm just going to wield that wand because I know how it works. Even if I don't know everything about Hyrule and Hylian magic, I still know that it works. I know how it works, and I can still use it. That actually brings me to another tool that people can easily use for magic that's readily accessible for pretty much any pop culture that has gained um, a national or international following, mm -hmm. which is cards. Yes. Um, and we're about to head into our next segment, so this will bridge over very nicely. So when it comes to cards, um, I have yet to find a good Sailor Moon tarot. Um, oh. Fans have not provided me with one, and the couple of, uh, back in the late 90s, early 2000s, eBay was rife with some weird Chinese tarot decks for fandoms that were basically just like random images put on random cards with no association whatsoever. Um, and in, the so, in the next podcast, we're actually going to talk about that some more. Yeah. So. So those weren't useful to me either. But one thing that Sailor Moon does have a lot of, in terms of merchandise, um, legitimate or bootleg, is playing card decks. Yeah. And this happens with a lot of anime in particular. Instead of, it's much like with the tarot cards I just described, instead of actually associating each card with a particular, um, each suit with a particular character or each kind of court card with a particular character, they just put a bunch of random images from the anime all over the cards, usually they're from trading cards or you can get trading cards and use them as decks but either way you've got basically an instant oracle deck yes. that also has very convenient numbers and suits on it and i've used that i've got um one sailor moon deck that i've used that for i've also used um a, an utena playing card deck and then of course some shows we are actually lucky enough to have tarot decks for and we do talk a bit about this a bit more in the next podcast but yes that is a really good place to start with your uh pop culture magic is yes. to just get one of those decks and then start doing some divination with it you know either divination or doing um card-based magic or tarot-based magic yes. and rune wrote a book about this i did write a book about that um what's it called it's called Nothing But a Pack of Cards. And, and you should all buy it. 
Thank you so much for that, for that plug. I did not prepare for this. I was not prepared. Yeah, I um, know. Everybody can tell that it's very genuine. Yes. Yeah. But anyway, so uh, the um, it's interesting that you should bring that up because I always tell people that the tarot itself are capable of teaching you magic. Yes. Um, literally anything that you look into and allow to teach you magic can teach you magic because magic is real. So anything that comes from the esoteric realms meaning anything that comes from the realms of meaning and significance and, and, and such, which means literally any work of art, has the capacity to teach you about what lies on the other side of things. Whether it will is entirely up to you. So those of you who are out there muttering incantations from Graham's Book of Shadows or um, picking up a magic wand and strapping a weird little bird to it and um, saying strange spells while dressed as witches like they do in the Magic Users Club, Maho Sukaitai, or um, people who are carrying around shotguns full of rock salt so as to protect themselves from Bloody Mary or whatever the Winchesters were after. Um, you guys are not wrong to do what you're doing. Keep doing it and see how it goes. All right, let's do the thing. We're going to do our third segment of our podcast, which is entitled Celtic Crosshairs. And it is when we do um, randomly themed divinations uh, to answer questions that are sent in by our various viewers. So for these answers, what are we packing in terms of our divination tools? Well, since this is a Geekomancy series, we're going to be focusing on Geekomantic decks at the moment. I believe that was what our plan was, yes? Yes. Okay, what are you using? I actually have a selection of the Future Vision Gem Tarot, which is a Steven Universe fan tarot, which is very good. I have the Hello Kitty Tarot, which is basically the Rider Waite Smith redesigned with Hello Kitty, because why not? And I have the Undertale Tarot, which is a Major Arcana plus some other cards. Huh. Okay, well, I am carrying with me... I always have, like, a Geekomantic kit on me at all times. So I have The Legend of Zelda Tarot by Pixel Perk, which is unfortunately not available at the moment, and I'm very sad about that. She should reprint them. Especially because she printed a, a card just for me. She designed a card just for me. She designed the, hell, the Happy Squirrel card to be Vati, because how do you make a, a tarot deck based on Legend of Zelda and not have the funnest villain be in it? All right. Rude. Rude. So anyway, so um, I'm, I'm using that. I also have access to several other decks, including my playing card deck dedicated to Kefka, uh, Kefka Palazzo from Final Fantasy VI. I also think I have the Lord of the Rings tarot sitting here and a Legend of Zelda playing card deck. So I have a whole bunch of options, but I'm probably just going to stick with the Legend of Zelda tarot. It must be asked, since you have the Lord of the Rings tarot, do you plan on using that on anybody? Because you just said it was going to curse people. Okay, the first version that I got, the Lord of the Rings tarot that I first got, was a different print from the one that I have now. They had changed... Uh, it's a card game as well as a tarot deck, and the card game is designed to have um, cards that you can play to... Um, increase or decrease the number of what they call dark points and you can um you can put them on people and there's all this kind of stuff there were a lot more dark points and a lot less neutral cards in the first print and i think that's part of the reason why it turned to satan okay so it, it's not going to curse people probably well if i want it to it can but i don't think i'll probably do that it has too many traumatic memories 
Ooh, I have the Persona Tarot here, too. I might use that. All right, so I was just planning on using whatever deck seemed appropriate for whatever question, and we've got some pretty good questions here. Good. What do we got? Um, okay. Let's start Let's see. We already asked about... And there's a couple of these questions that we ask in the next podcast, which we already re recorded before this podcast, so uh, that's a bit of our time travel work. Yes, welcome to Paradox Space. And so we already asked about that cat, and you'll find out about that cat next week, or next whenever. Um, next episode. Next episode. And this one, I've had a bad breakup with my former best only friends, and I'm having some trouble dealing with it. Ooh. But this also coincides with a massive psychological downswing. I know that might be a normal reaction, but I'd like to be sure. Are my ex-friends cursing me or physically attacking me somehow? Or psychically Ooh. attacking me somehow? Do I need to set up wards against them if I can ever get the energy to do more than just stay breathing through the day? And this is from Lemon 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 Duck. <laughs> awesome name. All right. That's some emoji. Okay, so uh, do we want to just do like a single card poll for this, or do you want to do something fancier? Um, well, we've got, let's see. First we've got, um, they basically are asking, are they, um, are they being cursed Attack. or psychically assaulted, and um, do they need to set up wards against them? All right, well, I'm going to, oh, we got that. All right, cool. And, okay, so I'm going to consult one of the major arcana of the Legend of Zelda tarot um, and find out what they have to say, yes or no, and then if they have anything further to say about it. What about you? I am consulting the Undertale tarot, as Undertale is all about friendship. Oh, there you go. Friendship is magic. All right, so uh, I pulled the Hierophant. The Hierophant is all about higher authority and counsel and advice and um, the value of structure and traditionalism. And the, oh shit, the answer is yes. You are, in fact, being uh, targeted by your friends on a mystical level. Uh, so yeah, definitely ward yourself. I got an interesting answer. Because the first question as to, you know, are you being targeted by your friends was um, the Wheel of Fortune. <laughs> What's interesting is that in the Undertale Tarot, this is Temi. Temi is actually holding aloft his uh, graduation cap. Oh. Um, you know, Isn't Temi the little guy who runs the shop? Yes, it's Timmy's shop. Oh, he's nice. The Tem. And yeah, that's the thing, is that it's actually a little bit weird to, to see um, such a nice character. But I like that the grad cap is kind of echoing the Hierophant there. Yeah. Um, and I'm not really getting a lot from this card, oddly. Um, okay. And I think it just kind of passed the buck to yours. But uh, interesting, because the Wheel of Fortune in the tarot tradition that my book has um, is the card of Hexing the card of affecting people's fate. So you may feel kind of luck affected at the moment. Um, yeah, but I was going to say, but yeah. the second card is uh. the Emperor, who in the Undertale Tarot is Asgore, holding aloft his trident. And right. that was basically the question of, should you be warding against this? And it's like, why would you not? Yeah, I agree. That was my instinct before I even lay the cards down. Yeah, like, you should definitely be warding against this, and, like, um, to me, that's just step one. Uh, I absolutely <laughs> agree, and I also have to caution you, 
Uh, don't be afraid. None of the cards that showed up implied that you should be afraid. Only powerful, acting in power and taking care of your territory. Yeah, definitely. Like you know, do not do not back down. Simply like, take care of your territory. Um, and you know that's that's just really the first part of the story. But that's what you asked us. So. So there you go. Yeah. Good luck with that. Um, <laughs> next question is very cute, and I think I'm going to use the Undertale Tarot for it again. Okay. And the question is from Bioluminescence. Ooh, nice name. Should Kinda I sexy? <laughs> I know. Should I follow my dreams? Should I follow my Oh god. Okay. <laughs> Um, I'm going to pull out the Persona Tarot for this one. Oh, goody. <laughs> <laughs> You're going all dark, and I'm like, Undertale! Yeah, and I'm going to go ahead and let everybody know, I am not a fan of should I questions, so I'm going to answer this in a slightly different way. Oh, that's right. You do that thing. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I do I a different rules. thing. That's okay. You go your way, and I'll go mine. So, um, why don't you answer first while I pull out the deck? Should I follow my dreams? Oh my gosh! Um, so this is the star, and the the character on this card is Metaton. Metaton is literally a star, and he spends basically the entirety of the game of Undertale following his dreams and making it happen. Ooh. So yes, you should hold off your star finger and go. Um, <laughs> I should mention, though, that Metaton's path does um, have a few little kinks in it, um, and the major part of his arc was that when he did follow his dreams, um, he needed to remember who was there before he went and followed those. Um, <laughs> like, remember what's important and um, who you were before you followed your dreams, and be very clear as to what your dreams are and whether they're grounded in reality. That's interesting because the reading that I got was, um, I, the question I asked was not a should. I asked, what would happen if you did? Mm. And I got the two of pentacles followed by the king of pentacles and the nine of pentacles. And that's really weird. Oh, wait, no, that's the six. Sorry, it's inverted. Ah. Uh, so it's the six of pentacles. So literally what the cards are saying is, you're gonna, if you do this, you're going to spend a lot of time finding your own balance, and it's not going to be all of the things that you thought it would be. The problem with the King of Pentacles is they are, they are a person who creates wealth for others. They create a resource for their environment. They get to receive their own benefits, but they have a lot of work to do as well. And the Six of Pentacles shows that you're looking for generosity from others, and that's not how the King works. The King creates wealth for others. He doesn't receive it from other people. Um, so in this particular situation, you're going to spend an awful lot of time balancing your resources of what you have with what you want and what you think you need. Um, so be careful. Uh, be practical would be the thing I would say. I would say that be practical is a good counterweight to the cards that we are getting. Yes. Because it definitely says that you can do this. Yes. The king was a very powerful fulfillment card. You'll achieve it, you just won't get it the way you think you will. Yeah, and the Metaton card, like, basically, Metaton says, yes, you should! But, like, people who know Metaton say, should Maybe you? Be more practical. Yeah, it's like, you, you don't care. So, yeah. Um, the right. next question, and how many questions are we going to do? We got quite a lot of questions into the queue, but we're... 
how we're about to hit an hour. How often over the hour? Oh, do let's we just go? answer them. I mean, we don't care. Let's okay, do fine. It's yeah. Sunday. Let's just go hog wild. Yeah, that's fine. It's Sunday for us right now in yes. the, the time vortex we that this podcast exists in. Cosmic Sunday. When yes. you listen to this episode, it will be Sunday for you, even if it's Tuesday. Um, we had one question that was just somebody asking when the next episode will be released, and we determined that fate, not the cards. Precisely. So I'm going to skip that one. Um, so someone whose name is Rowan. How, how do you spell it? R-O-W-A-N. Like okay, that so like tree. the tree. Yeah. Like the tree. Okay. Yeah, it's it's not like clever, although it, it's it's a name. Okay, so Rowan asks Future Freshman Rowan. Hey there. For the divination portion of the podcast, could I request some insight into whether or not I'll get along with my college roommate? Whether or not you'll get along with your college roommate. That's a friendship problem. Yeah, all these cards are are just begging for the Undertale tarot. I think that it's appropriate. So I'm going to go back to Legend of Zelda because he likes to make friends with his kinstones. And so let's see what they have to say to you. Am I going to get along with my roommate in college? Uh, well, what do you got to say? Let's see. We'll look for a trump. We'll look for a major arcana because I'm not invoking that guy. Uh, we got the fool. Interesting. <laughs> the fool says yes and, because the fool gave me the world card. Uh, <laughs> so the fool says the three of pentacles, the eight of cups, or the eight of bottles, and the three of rupees, and then the magician. Mm. Uh, okay. Um, be ready to move on from this, because you are focused on... Um, I see... One person who is focused on succeeding and another person who is focused on admiration. Uh, be prepared to walk on. I see the magician card uh, is somebody who is willing to do whatever they have to do to get the answers that they want, even if they're not terribly ethical. Interesting. Yeah, that was pretty deep. Okay, so the card that I pulled, I pulled three. The first one is the world. The world. Zawarudo. Zawarudo! Tokyo Tomare. Uh, yeah, so... <laughs> we'll talk about JoJo pop culture magic at some point. Yeah, you have to bring that up. It has to come up <laughs> in one of these. It has to. So, uh, the world in Undertale is Mount Ebbet. Specifically, it's all the monsters of Mount Ebbet. And the card focuses around entering a brand new world. They're, like, going forth. Um, and so, this is this card in particular is like, well, don't really worry so much about your roommate. You're, like, you're entering an entire, like, class of people. And your roommate is not really the only focus. Like, you're going to meet so many people. Yeah, that seemed to be pretty cl pretty clear. Like maybe even that there might be like mobile, like uh, different roommates. There, yeah, there's that too. There's like it, I got the impression that it's not even technically in stone. Yeah, uh, you will find out when you get a roommate. By the way, in college, that there are a lot of factors that can determine whether you get a different roommate later or whether they leave or whatever. There's like all kinds of things that can happen. 
Um, and so, yeah, it's like focus more on like your entire class of people that you're entering. You're entering a brand new um, reality in terms of your classmates. They are going to be adults instead of, uh, well, adults in quotations, but still they're going to be college students instead of high school students. Um, they're not going to be limited by the things that they were before, which is also what this card is about. Um, totally. And so you don't really know how they're going to act. You don't even know how you're going to act. Um, I also got the Knight of Pentacles, which is bird that carries you over a disproportionately small gap. <laughs> I know. <laughs> what the hell? Is that from The Undertale? You need to play the rest of this game. I, need to, I, I don't. Actually. There's actually a soundtrack have, for this bird. I have you. Okay, well, we'll we'll figure out something. This is going to happen anyway. We'll move. We'll that'll fig- be figured out outside the podcast. So okay, yes, everybody else should play this game too. Um, this is. <laughs> have you thought about your college loans? No, oh, um, Lord. This uh, like uh, this is going to account for such a small amount of your time in college. There you go. A disproportionately small gap. Yeah, that uh, three pentacles <laughs> said the same thing for me. Yeah, it's like, this is not really going to be... You're not going to spend a lot of time staying in your room is probably what's going to happen, too. Um, and the last card I got was the Hanged Man, which is Flowey in this deck. No! Flowey the Flower. There's uh, a lot about this character you don't know, Rune. Um, uh, <laughs> I know a lot about the character. I did wiki. Okay, well, he, it's also incorporated his backstory, then. Yeah, um, and well, it's because you haven't played the game. No, anyway, I don't have to. Um, <laughs> don't get all hung up on this. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> like if he's an asshole, just to move on. He or yeah. she, they, like seriously, if you end up with an asshole roommate, it, it just don't get know, hung up. And don't, don't get hung up. And don't eat their love pellets. Don't eat their love pellets. Those are not friendship pellets. Yeah. Um. It, you, you should play this game. Anyway, yeah. So, uh, apparently our card spent a lot of time telling you this wasn't really an important question. <laughs> yeah, don't worry too much about it, basically. Yeah, basically. It's not going to affect your entire life, and if you do have a problem, it will actually be easier to move on from than you think. So. Although, my cards did flat out say, yes, you will get along fine with your roommate. That's so, good. There was a definitive... It just had a lot of more stuff to say. Yeah. Okay, what else? I got a question that's for me. Oh. And I got to answer it. Okay. Um, although it's, it's going to be a short answer. So Nameless Butthole <laughs> asked, Felix, are you good at recommending wine because you worked with Eligos? <laughs> work is, like, if there's work and then there's in parentheses ED. Work like ed. you know, work it. You know, you work worked with Elias, sure. and the answer is mostly. Huh. I cannot say for certain that all of the factors in my life that contributed to me being able to recommend good wine are due to Elias. However, he is a time traveler and a time finagler. So it's highly likely that his shenanigans are responsible because he wanted a good wine buddy. I'm sure that he moved the radio dials at least a little bit. Yeah, I'm certain. I also put a lot of effort into being able to recommend good wine and choose good wine for Eligos, and so I specifically and purposefully like colluded with Eligos on this. 
Awesome. So it's not like, you know, it just happened to happen. I like kind of sought out this knowledge because I felt that it would help me develop my relationship with him more. And I felt really embarrassed that I wouldn't be able to pick really good wine because the first wine that I picked for working with Elegos was Manischewitz. And you don't know what that is. It is a screw top wine and not all screw top wines are bad, but Manischewitz is, um, bad. No, it's not that it's not necessarily bad. It's specifically, um, it's, a Jewish wine for like parties and occasions or also re- religious occasions. Um, it's been, it's been <laughs> not <laughs> like that. Surgery. <laughs> not like that. <laughs> it's been blessed by three rabbis. Oh, that's good. You know, and I offered it to demons. Um, <laughs> they actually enjoyed it and found it really funny. But in retrospect, I'm kind of embarrassed by it. And it was kind of like the most noobish thing to pick. Um, however, like Manischewitz is not considered necessarily bad wine. I have a, a Jewish friend who got completely drunk on Manischewitz, um, and so <laughs> it's definitely something you can drink a lot of. Oh, <laughs> but I wouldn't suggest it. <laughs> well, he had okay, to puke. Anyway, so that's a lot of information about uh, recommending wine with Eligos and all of that. So and the now short you know. answer is probably yes. He helped. Okay. But I helped too. Yes. So, um, I love this question. It does not have a name attached to it, but I'm going to name this person who asked the question Andrew Hussey. Andrew Hussey. Andrew Hussey asks, when will the Homestuck game release? Oh my god, this is the best reason to do divination! Isn't it? And, like, where's my Homestuck deck? Because I, you know, we the next podcast that they hear they're going to hear us divine with the homestuck deck yeah but like they're asking a homestuck question so we have to break our rule of not breaking out that deck and so mine's in the other room yours so so is mine okay well uh we will just um what if i just used the undertale tarot because it's basically homestuck anyway and what if i just use legend of zelda because it's in my hand already yeah, let's do that. Plus, and... it's a hero quest thing. I mean, come on. That works. So anyways, yeah. when will it be out? When will the Humstuck game release? Oh, I'm going to do the cheap way. Okay, hold on. There's a cheaty way to do this. Oh. If you want to know timing for something, seek out the Wheel of Fortune in your deck, and then oh, look no. at the cards that surround it. I'm going to use a completely different deck because of you, you saying that. Because it's time. Because it's time, I'm going to use Cracked Amethyst's Only Time Will Tell deck. There you go. Which is specifically about timing. And you will come up with an answer way before I will, because I have to go through this whole deck until I find the card. What if it's right there? It is right there, but <laughs> so are all the others. Oh. <laughs> I thought I'd done the thing, but I did not. Nah, you didn't do the thing. Damn it. Sometimes you can do the thing. Always uh, test Always whether you try can do, to do the, the thing. thing. Try to do the thing, because, some, because then you'll figure out how to do the thing. It's so much fun to do the thing anyway. Yeah. All right, so when will the Homestuck game release? What'd you get? When will we find ah. true happiness? What you gonna do? Cry about it. All right. It already happened. Oh, my God. That's what mine is saying. Uh, it already happened, but I also have three months. Interesting. Well, I mean, what if it did actually happen and... But no, that... know about it? But, but, but Tumblr would have told us. 
I don't think it would necessarily. No, it would have because I, I follow too many people who do the thing. And well, I'm mine check says, the website. Mine says three months, and it also says it already happened. We got the queen of bottles, and we got the three of bottles, and the three of bottles says three months. And you know what? It, it, it was supposed to already release. Okay, but it didn't. Yeah, yeah, and, and then they had to like add some sort of feature or something and added who oh. knows how much time. So it already actually did. And then, like, the Queen of Bottles says that, um, you know, I think what it might be, the Queen of Bottles is the Queen of Cups. I think they might be debugging it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so it's already in the queue. So let me see what the next card in Only Time or Tell is. Three years, 11 days, 8 hours, 6 seconds. That is very specific and horrible, and I rebuke it in the name of the Lord. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's when a different chapter of the Homestuck deck comes out. That was, like, oddly specific. I love this deck. I kind of hate it. Okay, look, don't be Cards Against Humanity with me. Give me a real card that's made of real stuff. Yeah, like, for real okay. stuff. Come on, don't jerk. It says to pick from the middle. I will pick from the middle. During a rainstorm. Okay, it's just gonna fuck with me. Yeah, well, I'm... Well, okay, there's a lot of water stuff. And by the way, during a rainstorm... Okay, thanks, Rose. Right? Play uh -huh. the rain. Play the rain oh, like you play the play game. Play the fucking rain and the game will show up. I'm ready. God damn it, Rose. We could have had this game, but no. You had to say, I don't want a quest. I just want a girlfriend. We could have had it all. I totally didn't sing that right. Doesn't matter. Okay, well, usually this deck is actually pretty good, so I'm going to blame... Well, Hussy, you only have yourself to blame for... Because, yeah... You know, just just do it. Like instead of sending in an ask to our podcast about when it's going to happen, Andrew yeah. Hussey, who obviously sent this ask. Obviously. By the way, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> all right, right. What's the next question? We've got three more. Do we want to do all three? I'm ready. Okay. From Booty Overlord. Booty Overlord. Oh my God, these are great names. Shit, Everybody I should like with their butt jokes. I'm loving it. I think it's because of what happens in the beginning of the podcast. I'm okay with that. Yeah, it's it's okay. So from Booty Overlord, should I trust Etsy and buy tarot cards from them? Okay, I have to talk to you, Booty Overlord. You just spelled tarot t r t a r r o t, and that's not right. Tarot not is not a carrot. It's not a it's not a carrot. It's not even a toddler's bad pronunciation of a carrot. Yeah. It's not a tarot, it's a tarot. Yeah. And there's a different ways that you can you can pronounce tarot, but you've got to spell it right. Yes. Just, it, or anyway. you're not going to find good tarot cards on Etsy. Okay, now stop flinging salt at our fun yes. people who listen to us. Oh my <laughs> god. god. So, I had to read this. So, okay. I don't I, have to read the cards to answer this question because I have actually done this. And the answer is, often, yes. Look at the reviews. Yeah. They said that I'm scared they will melt into a brick. How does that even happen? What deck? I know. I just, like, just said, you know, should I trust Etsy? Etsy is like a marketplace of various sellers. Like some of them you definitely shouldn't trust. Okay, now I'm going to tell you but that the unless... cards, yeah, the, the cards will know. The cards will know. The cards oh, will know. Okay, the deck that they're looking at, if they're going to end up bricked, let's find out if you should not jailbreak that Etsy deck. Yeah, and I'm going to use the Hello Kitty Tarot, which used to be on Etsy. So give me a Trump, give, give me a Major Arcana, and make me stop using the word Trump when I'm talking about my tarot cards. It's okay, one day everything will be happy and fine. Yes, and he'll be dead. Yes, uh, we have this assured. Okay, good. That is true. I mean, everybody dies. Yeah, that's great. Okay. So Super like, great. everybody poops. All right, so... 
Is it okay to buy this deck? First question. Is it a good idea to buy the tarot deck that you are clearly looking at? Yes. All right. I'm gonna... Oh my god. That is hilarious. Um, so, Booty Overlord, is that their name? Yes, this was Booty Overlord. Booty Overlord, you got nothing to worry about. I'm going to tell you exactly what my cards just said to me. So, first of all, the card that came up to answer your question, the Major Arcana that I asked, was the star. And that's the, the card of art and muse and inspiration. And this deck inspires you, so go with it. The card that came up to answer your question was the star, and the answer it gave was the moon, which is immediate yes, even though the moon is the crazy fucking moon from Majora's Mask, in this case, and it represents all sorts of messed up crap that people don't realize and stuff that they are not prepared to deal with. Um, it also has to deal with delusions, it lies, it lies illusions, fears, etc., um, so you're worried about nothing, and the reason that you're worried about nothing, because whenever a Major Arcana answers a question, I have to do a three card to explain it. You got the Tower, the Queen of Bottles, and the Queen of Rupees. If you order this deck and it ends up <coughs> a melted brick, she will return your money or she'll send you another one. So that's interesting, because I drew three cards. Okay. And I got Temperance, the Tower, <laughs> and Page of Wands. <laughs> And ah. I was actually running this interpretation before you spoke. Um, Temperance is interesting because it actually has a weird, interesting color thing that's happening with it. There's a blue, a green, and a yellow overlap, you know, which makes sense with Temperance. As one does. Um, it's not just saying that you should chill, but it's also saying you may actually experience like some variance with this deck, like some color variance specifically. Yes. But you may actually like it, um, and, and with, you should. with small deck creators, that's actually like just kind of a thing that happens, so it just really depends on whether you're okay with what you receive, and, and you can think about it. The tower is talking about, like, if there is a disaster, there can sometimes be disasters with small deck creators, and it becomes, it seems more disastrous than it really is, because they don't have the scale of a large deck company, and so you just right. don't, you, you see more of the errors than you would with the with the large deck company, because usually with discuss. large decks, yeah. You just, it just, you'll, you see more of the sausage making with a, a small deck creator. But, yeah. Page of Wands, if there is a disaster, they'll fix it. Yes, that was the same thing my card said. Also, I'm going to go ahead and point out, my Legend of Zelda tarot, which I love better than the ones that um, I actually funded on, like, a Indiegogo or Kickstarter or something. Um, I like this deck from Pixel Perk better, but the cards are uneven. Because the majors and minors were released at separate times and printed at separate times, so they are not quite properly dyed, or like uh, cut properly. The dyes were different, um, and I love it. And it is the most adorable thing about this deck ever. It has so much character, and you should not feel bad about small quirks. Don't call them flaws. You'll make the poor thing sad. Oh, okay. enjoy your beautiful deck. Go buy it. Yes, and and so there you go. So, um... Next question. I... I don't really give a shit about this question. <laughs> well, tell it to me so I can hear it. Alright, well, you already talked about the subject a bit, so... Does Hell oh. approve of Trump being president? Oh... Are they happy down there with our suffering? <laughs> who, who asked this question? They don't have a name. They don't have a name? Yeah. Oh, I don't think uh, they're real if they don't have a name. That's how magic works. Okay, but works. you gave a name to someone else, so we have to do this. They're our fans. Okay. All right, I'll answer your question. 
Felix can stay out of it if he wants to. I will use the Undertale Tarot because that's about the underworld. Okay. So are people in hell happy with, like, douchebag? <laughs> wow. That is terrible. You guys are mean and you're awful. <laughs> Which deck are you asking? I'm still using the Legend of Zelda deck because that's what I'm going to use for the rest of this. Because that's thing. what you're going to use. Okay. Um, those who know about it, yes. The Ten of Swords, Death, and the Ten of Swords, and the Page of Swords, and the Five of Rupees. Uh, some are, is the answer. Not the nice ones, though. They were being super literal, too. Like, they gave me a whole handful of villains. I... Okay, so I'm using the Undertale Tarot, and, and it's got spooky cards in here that are, like, really fucked up. And Those are not the cards I drew. You drew the puppy, didn't you? Uh, there's a lot of puppies in Undertale, and I drew several of them. I see. So does hell approve of being... Does hell approve of Trump being president? Um, the... The card that I got in answer to that is the Lovers, which is <laughs> Dogami and Dogaressa. Um, there's okay. there's two different Lovers cards in this deck. Oh. Um, and Hell's too busy with Snuggles. Oh, that's cute. Like, sorry, but was this really important to us? No, because we haven't Snuggles. I like Felix's Hell better than the one that I found through my card. There are several Hells. Like, literally, there are several Hells. Yeah. Um, and so I think I like that's, yours better. Yeah, and then more snuggly. are they happy down there with our suffering is the Two of Swords, which is Doggo being f hugged by the main character, Frisk. Oh. Um, and kind of like sort of being petted and tickled and, and like Doggo eventually gets tired of being hugged so much. Oh. Um, and so, so uh, like... Literally, Frisk your is, cards are like, I don't want to answer this question. Frisk time. is happy on this card, but Doggo is, like, not as happy as he seems. Oh. Because there are various different entities in Hell and various so different some, Hells, so... Some things are probably happy and others are not, and yeah. not pleased with that. Okay, like, you so. pulled all the cards of, like, who would be I happy. Got, like, I got... Okay, so I got the fake Ganondorf and a Poe and, uh... A bunch of other crap. Like, I got the five of, of rupees, which is, like, misery and sorrow and suffering, and then the ten of swords. And it's just fully hateful. The only yeah. good card was the page of swords because it's Link, and I'm over here going, okay, but, like, it's the derp Link from... Derp uh, Link. It's the derp Link from um, Skyward Sword before he becomes cool. So I'm like, yeah, so idiots and um, assholes. Right. A certain type of person. Indeed. So we have uh, one more question. Okay, good. Let's ask and it. And their name is Pining Nerdy Witch in the Pacific Northwest. Specifically Aww. indicating she, her, hers pronouns. Okay. Um, so Pining Nerdy Witch asks, this is kind of long, but it was in fan mail, so the type is big. I have a crush on one of my best friends. Uh-oh. More than nearly anyone else, I feel understood and respected by him. We're both queer. We both have a similar bond with water, spiritual. We always And we always have amazing talks about theology and art and everything else. Also, he's hella gorgeous. One of my Aww. friends compared, compared him to an elf. Uh, I'm going to guess like Legolas elf. Problem Aww. is... As opposed to like a Keebler elf? 
Yeah. Okay. Problem is, while we're both mystical-leading Christians, my mysticism is Christian witchcraft, and he doesn't know. I had a hard time just telling him I use tarot cards for prayer, even though he took it well, if cautiously. If I make a move toward a romance with him, I want him to know and accept that I'm a witch. Question is, how can I further ease him into the idea of my witchcraft? Oh, that's a good one, and pretty straightforward. Yes. Okay. I'm going to go with the Steven Universe Tarot for this one. Yes, that is an excellent one for fusions. Yes. Because once you fuse, you both know everything. Okay, <laughs> you're funny. Okay, so, and that's funny because I got, my reading has the Two of Cups in it. You fuse, you lose. The Two of Bottles. Um, I'm ready when you are, but you can go first. Okay, how can I further ease him into the idea of my witchcraft? We're going to start with Wheel of Fortune. Gosh. Get him on a game show. What is this card? I don't actually understand which part of the, sto the, the, the show that's referencing. Oh, oh, that's Dogcopter. Oh, uh, you need to listen to your dreams. Okay. Yes, Dogcopter is a, a character that shows up in, in Steven's dreams. It's, it's a dog with a helicopter on his back. Does he, like, when he shows up, is it, like, significant or something? Or is Yeah, it... actually, he kind of gives him these surreal dreams that sort of talk about what his subconscious is trying to tell him. Oh. So, that's, there you go. Okay, so, and then we have Queen of Pentacles, which is actually Stephen. Um, and Ten of Wands, which is Amethyst sinking into Tar. All right. Um, so... This is kind of difficult. Um, you're going to have to show him all of what you are, and you're going to have to d deal with whatever it is that you have from that. Like, you're going to have to deal with the consequences? You're going to have to deal with all of the consequences, Good whether, they, whether you float or sink. Yes. Um, and the Wheel of Fortune card is kind of like... <sighs> um, yeah, definitely listen to a figure from your dreams. Um, mm, maybe she gets um, advice from spiritual forces of some sort. I mean, she's yeah. a Christian witch. Yeah, I would say, like, you know, like, listen listen to that. Kind of, you know, well, basically listen to the Holy Spirit there. Yeah, there you go. Um, and it, what you're doing by revealing this is actually being more honest. Um and showing, like, the true breadth of, like, the kind of uh, caring and supportive person, like, all of what you have to offer. Right. Um, the, and, but the, the price of this is that, it, like, it, whether you float or sink, whether he really accepts this or not, that's all in his hands. It is. And can I, I can kind of extrapolate from that and add to it, because my cards are saying essentially the same thing. So, um... The Two of Bottles inverted shows up, and the Two of Bottles is a Zora couple making a union, which is adorable. Actually, it's a Zora, and it's not a Zora. It's a Zora um, marrying two Ritos. That, that's adorable. That's just super cute, um, marrying two bird people. Um, but it's inverted, showing, all right, you cannot have a true meeting of the minds and hearts if you are not honest and open with it you're going to have to recognize that he's not going to get it and do it anyway. The Nine of Wands says you are trying to protect yourself and also him. It shows that you have a desire to protect and be conservative and careful, 
but unfortunately, that that is um, directly relating to the King of Rupees, which is the next card. And the King of Rupees is Yuga from Link Between Worlds. And while he is one of my favorite villains, Yuga has a messed up way of looking at things. He thinks of everything as an acquisition. Try not to think of romance as an acquisition. Try not to think of the compatibility or the beauty or the, the, the potential social value involved in your relationship. And instead, focus on the situation of you meeting him and connecting with him. Love is not about acquisition, it is about surrender. So if you are interested in being with him, be honest and let yourself feel it. Try. Be open. Don't try to control this and protect yourself because you're, frankly, if you're in any sort of emotional danger, um, it's going to be made worse by you being defensive about things. So one piece of advice that the cards also imply is go about this from a perspective of um, mastery, a perspective of I understand how things work for me, I understand how the world works, and I have help and guidance here. So I'm not really worried about someone else stepping in and telling me I'm wrong. You can't tell me I'm wrong because you don't know. Make sense? Hopefully it makes sense. <laughs> yeah, she can't reply. That's true. <laughs> that surrender thing makes a lot of sense looking at the Ten of Wands because, like, Amethyst yeah. is basically just, like, kind of lying back in this, um, like, black ocean and just lying there. Like, she's not doing anything about it. She's simply, like, just floating there and letting what's happening going to happen. Um, was that from the show? I can't remember when that's from, because this is from the earlier episodes that I didn't actually watch as much of. Oh, um, bad. Bad you. I have... I, if it's, like, specific episode recall, it's going to be from Sailor Moon instead of Steven Universe. That's true. But we don't have a Sailor Moon tarot that I want to use yet. That's true. Okay, so is that our last question? That is, and we have hit one hour and 13 minutes. We have. You guys kept us past our bedtime. That's true. All right, so that is us for the rest of this episode. We are all done now. We are done. Any... Any words left for them, or shall I Any close it up? Final comments. Um, the tarot are the best thing ever. We're all nerds. Shut up, Sheldon. <laughs> That's all I got. Yeah, in the end, we are all nerds. And we are, just, especially just now. Embrace that. If somebody is saying, insisting that they are not a nerd, they are incorrect. They are a nerd. And um, also, if they're saying that, that you're a nerd and trying to imply that they're not a nerd or that somehow they're a better nerd... That literally, that's why I said, shut up, Sheldon. Because seriously, yeah. you're not a better nerd than me. <laughs> Please yeah. pass the butter! And with that, may the circle of salt protect you. Hell yeah.